What's up, everybody? It is good to see your smiling faces. Um, we are in a series called Thankful, and we are talking about thankfulness. We are talking about gratitude uh, as we enter into the Thanksgiving season. But guys, Thanksgiving is not a seasonal thing for a disciple of Jesus Christ, or it shouldn't be, uh, if we are healthy. Uh, God wants us to be full of gratitude. He wants us to be full of thanks. And if you get down into the scriptures and start looking at the Bible, you will see over and over as you walk through God's word, reference after reference to thankfulness and to gratitude. And honestly, a lot, God has a lot to say about our attitudes. There's over 400 references uh, just to thankfulness in the Bible where God is encouraging us to be thankful and to have a posture of gratefulness. And guys, in studying for this series and in just kind of thinking through this, what I have learned from God is that one of the most important things you can be is thankful. Now, do you ever think of it that way, though? Do you get up in the morning and think the greatest, one of the most important things I could do today is just be thankful to God for all the stuff he's given me? Do you get up thinking like that? Because i got to be honest, I don't. This was news to me. Like, I understand thankfulness and gratitude's important. I didn't understand how important it is until we got into the series and really started looking at this. You cannot be, and I'm going to make a bold statement here, okay? You cannot be a healthy and whole person unless you are grateful. You cannot be a healthy and whole Christian unless your heart is full of gratitude to God. Okay, and I'm going to unpack that in this series, um, but this is such a basic thing that I feel like sometimes we miss, okay? So just keep that in mind. Mike, I'm going to ask, can you read uh, our, our first passage? Guys, you, if you're new here, welcome. We are really glad you're here. There are some notes inside the bulletin that you should have gotten this morning that's going to have most of the scriptures we're going to look at. So if you want to pull those notes out, you can follow along uh, as we look at God's word this morning. Mike, if you don't mind, please read Psalms 104 and 5 as we get into the word this morning. Go through his gates, <laughs> giving thanks. Walk through his course giving praise. Offer him your gratitude and praise his holy name, because the eternal is good. His loyal love and mercy will never end, and his truth lasts throughout all generations. All right, thank you. This is a psalm written by David. If there's one thing David was really strong at, and he had a number of strengths, but one of the things David was really strong at is worship. Guys, have you ever thought about worship as an avenue for you to express your gratitude and thankfulness to God? Because that's what it is. You know, if you want to talk about being a worshiper of God, if you are ungrateful, if you, are, uh, if you don't have thankfulness, if you are uh, full of ingratitude, you can't actually worship God. And so what David is telling the people here, when he says enter his gates, he's talking about the temple gates. When it says enter his courts, he's talking about the temple courts. He's talking to God's people who are going to worship God. And he's saying before you go and worship God, you need to get your thinking right. Right? You need to get your thinking right. You need to enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts. Think about the things God has given you. Think about the things God has given you. You need to come in with that in mind, right? Um, your worship is just an overflow of that gratitude that you have. If that gratitude isn't present, your worship is going to be hollow. 
It's not going to be real. Worship involves thought. It's not just emotion, right? It involves getting your head right. And that's what he's saying here. Before you even go in there, get your head right. Okay? Church, before we get ready to worship today, we need to get our head right. Before you come in here on Sunday morning, we need to get our head right. You need to be thinking about the things that we have to be grateful for from God. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances. You know, some of you are like, I don't know if I can get my head right. I'm going through a rough time. I'm dealing with a tragedy. I'm dealing with a struggle. This right here, okay, you can be thankful in all circumstances. We don't have an excuse. It kind of takes that away. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Guys, many things can happen in life to make us not thankful, right? Any of you out in here, anybody here ever go through a hard time? Okay, a couple of you? Some of you just had perfect lives? Awesome. Glad. Thank you for being here. We've, we've gone through hard stuff, right? It's hard to be thankful when you're in the middle of hard stuff. Guys, when you're dealing with a loss or when you're dealing with a struggle like an addiction or, or a disease or something like that, guys, we've got all kinds of people in here dealing with different stuff. And it's hard sometimes when life throws you a curveball to have a good attitude, to have a thankful attitude. What this is saying right here is you can be thankful despite your circumstances. And so I just put that out there because today what we're going to look at is how can we say thank you to God in a meaningful way? This is so fundamental. This, this is not something we should just do one time, saying thank you to God. We should be people, if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, who are characterized by a posture of thankfulness toward God. And if we lose that posture of thankfulness, we are not going to be healthy and whole. This is so important. This is so fundamental. And I want to make sure we get it right, okay? You guys ever read the five love languages? Okay, if you don't know what that is, it's a great book. Uh, we've done marriage retreats here at the Crossings around the five love languages. The basic premise of the book is uh, with your spouse. Sometimes your spouse may not feel loved because you aren't saying I love you in their language. You know, like for some it's words of affirmation, for some it's quality time, for some it's touch, uh, and there's a couple others. So the premise of the book is you need to speak to them in their love language in order for them to feel loved, and that's how you have a more uh, rich marriage. So what we're going to talk about today is how do I say thank you to God in his love language? And the cool thing is the Bible makes this real simple. You know, why do we look at the Bible every week? Because the Bible is God's word. We want to live under the authority of God's word. We want to live under the authority of the scriptures, not over it. We want to be humble in our approach to God's word. And so today we're going to look at just a really simple and straightforward lesson, just some truths about how we can say thank you to God, how we can maintain this posture of thankfulness. So first of all, I can say thank you to God in a meaningful way. Number one, by singing to him. By singing to him, it says in Psalm 147, verse 7, sing out your thanks to him. Sing praises to our God. <laughs> in the Bible, guys, thankfulness and singing are connected. Uh, worship is, is connected to this idea of thankfulness. And guys, there is no worship without thanksgiving. There is really no worship without gratitude. What worship is in song is an expression. It's like you're praying out loud in song, 
expressing your gratefulness and expressing your thanks to God. This is expressing your praise to him. One of the things that we've got to guard against is this tendency to be ungrateful. And when we lose our sense of gratitude, guys, it's going to come out in your passion and in your worship. And i got to tell you, um, worship can be one of those things that makes such an impact on somebody else, too. It says um, in Ephesians 5, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God our Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, I just want to point out here, not only do we, when we sing, sing to God, we sing to one another. That's the way God designed it. When we're expressing that gratitude, not only is it impacting our personal relationship with God, and God enjoys hearing our song to him, it also is impacting other people. Worship, guys, is one of those things. When somebody is passionately worshiping, it, it makes an impact on an unbelieving and a lost world. When I was a non-Christian, right, I had a group of people that were kind of reaching out to me. I was a long-haired stoner. Uh, I smelled like cigarettes and weed most of the time, right? Uh, but I had this group of people that were reaching out to me, and, and you know, I was kind of investigating. I didn't really know if this God thing was real, uh, but I was interested. I thought the story was cool, and I didn't know, you know, all the evidences and stuff that were out there yet. Um, but I, I remember going as a non-believer and witnessing people worship God passionately. And as a non-believer, I was just looking around the room. I remember just thinking, there must be something to this. Like, these people are passionate about this. And I also knew a little something about the way they were living their lives. And I was like, you know, they're taking this seriously. Like, it's showing up in, in their life. Like, they're giving things up, and they're pursuing things that this Bible says to pursue. And like, but that worship just impacted me. One of the ways my wife, Ariel, you guys, most of you here know Ariel. Um, neither one of us became Christians until we were, like, in our 20s, right? And so one of the ways she was reached was through worship. It was through people inviting her to a worship service where she got to sit and witness people passionately worshiping God. Guys, the reason those people were passionately worshiping God in song is because they were full of gratitude. That particular group, it was a group of people that were brand new Christians. Most of them. You know, there was, there was a group of about 50 of us. Most of us had just been Christians longer than two years. And so you've got a group of, of kids who were one out of the world, who were very in touch with lostness, who knew what it felt like to be saved, who were worshiping God. And when, as other people were coming into that who maybe didn't know Jesus yet, we were impacted by that because of their passion. Guys, their hearts were full of gratitude. And so their worship was passionate because their hearts were full of gratitude. When you don't have a heart that's full of gratitude, you're not going to worship passionately. And I just got to say, guys, in an assembly like this, some of you in here are really grateful and some of you aren't. And it shows up in how you sing. And, and you just need to understand that that's what that is. If you say, I don't want to sing, or I'm, sometimes we're self-conscious about our voice and we don't want to sing because we think we don't sing good. Guys, listen, it's not about how you sound. The Bible doesn't say, sing praise to God as long as you're on key. It does not say that. You will not find it. It, it does say, make a joyful noise to the Lord. 
And for some of you, that's all you can do. Hallelujah. Make that joyful noise. Let me tell you guys, in that group I told you about, you want to know what that group couldn't do? Sing well. They sounded terrible. But it was passionate, and I didn't care. I like to sing, and I usually sing on key, okay? Uh, I don't look down my nose at people that don't. What I do look at is say, man, look at that person's heart. Some of you guys in here know Daniela from our other church. We use her as an example frequently about worship because she can't sing worth a flip, okay? Sounds like somebody stepped on a cat's tail. But she loves Jesus, and I don't give a crap if she doesn't sound good. She loves Jesus, and it... it it impacts the people around her because that's what you see is her heart. She's grateful. That's a good example, right? That's not a bad example. It comes out in your worship. You need to understand, guys, your worship is not about you. Amen? If it's about you, you're doing it wrong. It ain't about you. It's about the Lord. Focus on him. Express your thankfulness to him in song. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Man, understand, you don't have to sound good to help somebody. Just worship passionately. Don't worry about that, okay? Secondly, I can say thank you to God by giving to him. By giving to him. And and we're talking here about wealth and resources. Giving is an expression of gratefulness to God. It says in Psalm 50, 14, give an offering to show thanks to God. Give him what you promised. Guys, we are uh, a group of people, and and I'm just going to say I'm proud of you guys for your generosity. You guys are a generous group of people. Anytime we've had something here at the church where we've asked for something or needed something, you guys give. And I know a lot of you guys don't make much money, but you give sacrificially, and I think that's awesome. That says something about your heart. You may not be aware, but our church we're a church plant here. Um, We have another church plant in Columbia. We've got one in the city. We're going to be planting. By the way, we're forming a team for next year to form another church plant team. That's coming up soon, 2023. Not long, okay? We're going to plant a fifth church um, and, and kind of moving toward that. One of the things we're passionate about here at the Crossings is planting churches because typically new churches reach more unchurched people than churches that have been around for a long time. And our passion and our heart, we believe the heart of Jesus is to reach a lost and hurting world. And so one of the reasons we train church plant teams and send them out and start new campus ministries and all the stuff we do is because we want to impact lost people. What you guys don't know is that it isn't just us that's working on this stuff. There are other congregations around the country that support what we are doing here. Uh, My salary isn't even paid by this church. Like when you guys put an offering in the basket here, uh, I don't get any of it. I've got another church that actually pays my salary to come here and do this for you guys. Uh, there's uh, the same situation in, in, with our church plant in Columbia. Mackie Shedd, the evangelist up there. There's another church that pays his salary. There's another church that pays the campus minister's salary. We are beneficiaries of generosity of others. We're able to do what we're doing because of the generosity of others. This church building, this used to be old movie theater. Some guy bought this and gave it to us. Did you guys know that? There was a guy that bought this building and just gave it to us. Because he liked what we were doing. He didn't even know us. Right? Isn't that cool? Praise God. Praise God for that. That's your... Yeah, go ahead, clap. Go ahead. It's okay. Hey, if you're going to do it, we don't do it halfway. Okay? 
no halfway claps. You either do it or you don't, okay? Either get on the bus or, or get off. We, we ain't doing the halfway. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.11, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You guys just clapped because people were generous to us. Okay, who gets the credit, though? Man, why did they do that? Because God is good. Okay? We're generous in the community here. We give. We, we spend time with people. We, we do things. Why? Because God is good. He's the one that is getting the praise. Amen? But part of how we say thank you and part of how you say thank you is by giving. It's by giving. It, it says in the Bible, uh, tithe so that you can learn to put God first. You know, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. That's the point of it. It's just, it's about him. It's about putting him first. It's speaking his love language. It's getting my heart right and giving to him. Thirdly, I say thank you to God, number three, by praying to him. <clears throat> by praying to him. It says in Colossians 4, 2, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. I like the way it says that. He connects prayer to being focused on the things that you've got to be grateful for. Just like worship and song is an expression of thankfulness and gratefulness to God. Uh, one of the things that I think is important in our prayer life uh, is to express adoration to God. I like the acronym ACTS for my prayers. A is adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. S is, what is it? Supplication. Supplication, that's right. It's one of those religious words. Uh, we, had, we had to have an S word, so we had to come up with that. Um, no, that's good, though, because every time you pray, if you just kind of follow that outline, you are praising God. You are getting your heart right. You are focusing all the things that you have to praise God for before you come and even ask him for something. You realize what you've got, Right? Prayer is, is meant to be a way of, of praising the Lord. It's not just simply meant to be something where we're asking for God. We need to, we need to, we need to praise God in our prayer. Uh, speaking is fundamental to relationship as well. You know, people ask, how do I love God? Well, prayer is one of the ways you love God because you're talking to God. If you were married to your spouse and you never spoke to your spouse, would you have a good relationship? No. There's got to be communication there. And so Prayer, just like spending time in God's word, is, is fundamental to a healthy relationship with God, a healthy and growing relationship. Prayer is one of those things that's fundamental. And so we really need to be in prayer, uh, understanding <clears throat> that in our prayer, we need to have our eyes wide open in gratitude. Is this something that you do? If you're not in the habit of praying regularly, you need to be, okay? I think most people in here probably pray daily. One of the things I would encourage you to do as part of your prayer is to express adoration and praise to God. Give a little bit of time to, to thinking about what you have to thank God for before you approach him in prayer. And what you will notice, guys, over time, as you become a more thankful and, and gracious person, full of gratitude, your attitude is going to change. Your ability to influence is going to change. The way people view you as a Positive or negative person may change, right? Um, it, it comes down to your posture of gratitude. Uh, now, anxiety, guys, is a praise killer. Uh, when we're feeling anxiety, it is hard to be grateful when you're full of anxiety. Guys, all anxiety is is if 
you know, I've got a problem, and so I'm rolling over in my head over and over again. How do I fix this problem? It is an attempt to control often things that we have no control over. And that's part of why we are so anxious, because we're trying to come up with some way to control this. I didn't think about it enough. Let me think about it some more, right? It's just anxiety. And, and when you're full of anxiety, it's hard to be great, grateful. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to be thankful because you're focused on this problem. Prayers of thankfulness to God are a cure for that. It says in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. What does it say not to worry about? Wow, that's kind of a catch-all. What about this? That's got to be an exception. What about that? That seems, no, he says don't worry about anything, right? Don't worry about anything. You know what anything means in Greek? It means anything. That's what it means, okay? Instead, pray about what? Oh, wow, everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Go to God in prayer. Don't, don't let worry dominate your thing. Pray about it. Lift it up to God in prayer. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for your answers. Guys, prayer is the cure to anxiety. What are we doing when we pray to God who's in control of everything? We're saying, you're in control of everything. I'm not, right? I'm going to trust you to work it out. I'm going to trust you to work it out. That is a cure for anxiety. Um, now, there was a debate about eating certain meats in the first century because uh, in the pagan world, in the Roman world, uh, they didn't have restaurants in the first century. They had temples. And if you wanted to go out to eat with your friends, you wouldn't go to a restaurant. They didn't have those. They had temples. So you go grab your friends and you go to you know, one of the temples and they would bring you a meal that you would pay for that had been offered to a pagan god. And what the pagans believed is that when you ate that meal, you were taking in some of that god's power. And so there was a debate in the first century among the Christians, do we go to places like that in Etho? We know that that's fake and those aren't real. And, you know, there's not really any power to, can we go and eat in places like that? <clears throat> and so this, this caused some problems. Paul is responding in 1 Timothy uh, to this issue. There should be a quote mark uh, at the front, don't eat such and such foods. That is a quote uh, where he is now responding to uh, a letter that they had written him. This is one of the things they said. Uh, his response is, God created all these to be received with gratitude by people who hold fast to the faith and really comprehend the truth. For everything God made is good. That means nothing should be rejected as long as it's received with a grateful heart for by God's word and what? Prayer, it is made holy. He's saying, you thank God for that food that they're giving you. And when you thank God and, and you give God the credit for this, it's made holy. Okay, this was by prayer. Interesting. Being thankful for what you eat. Okay. Do you pray before your meals? Okay. Uh, I, I do most of the time. Um, I think it's a good habit to be in because every day... Does everybody in here eat daily? Do you eat daily? Do some of you who don't pray daily at least eat daily? I'm assuming that you do, okay? 
One of the things that you can do is pray before you eat and remember to thank God for what he's given you. Because everything good comes from God, including the food that you eat. It's a little thing, guys, but it's a good discipline for you to be in because it's, you're going to be praying and you're going to be talking to God. And it's going to be just a little reminder daily that everything good I have comes from him. Get in the habit of that. Thank God for, for, the, for the good things he gives you. Fourthly, I say thank you to God by taking the Lord's Supper seriously. <clears throat> by taking the Lord's Supper seriously. Now, if you don't know what the Lord's Supper is, uh, before Jesus was crucified, he got together with his friends and he had a meal with them. And as part of this meal, he knew what was about to happen on the cross. The disciples at the time did not. As part of this meal, Jesus took some bread, he broke it, he gave them all a piece and said, this is my body that's broken for you. I want you to take it and take it in remembrance of me. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave them all a drink. He said, this is the cup of my blood that's going to be spilled for you. I want you to take it in remembrance of me. They were sitting around a table. They didn't know what he was talking about. You know, sometimes Jesus would give them weird lessons and then he'd tell them later what it meant. And so they're probably sitting there listening like, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe he'll tell us later, right? Hippie Jesus has given us a, given us a lesson here, right? Um, now, it, it wouldn't have made sense at the time, but after he was arrested, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he came back from the dead. They saw him die on that cross. He came back from the dead, and he explained all this stuff to them. He opened their mind to the scriptures. He helped them understand the significance of the Lord's Supper and communion. The early church, guys, after the resurrection of Jesus, met on Sundays because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The reason they met was to take communion together. And so they would, they would get together, usually in the context of a meal. Uh, they would at one point take some bread and take some wine and remember what Jesus had done for them on the cross because they were thankful. They were thankful. Um, the Lord's Supper is one of those things, or communion, whichever you want to call it, it's one of those things that if we're not careful can become a routine, okay? Where we're not getting our minds right. Just like worship can become a routine where we're not really thinking about it, we're not really engaging our, our mind and our heart, we're just kind of going through the motions. That, that's not what we want to go for here. Guys, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, is not, this is uh, Paul talking about communion, okay? He says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Notice he calls that a cup of thanksgiving. Okay, that is, that is what communion is all about. It's about being grateful that we have a God who died on the cross for us. We take communion so we can express thanks. Man, you let your body be broken. You let your blood be spilled for us. It is so important we don't let that become routine. And guys, if communion is all about getting our heart right so that we can be grateful and thankful... How important is it to God that we be grateful people? He told us to do that when we get together. Like every week, 
God, when, when you take, we, and we take communion here at the crossings every week, by the way. Um, we're not taking it, we don't take it in the assembly every week. We have small groups uh, that meet uh, on the second and fourth Sundays. Uh, some of the other groups, other ages meet more than that. But we usually take communion in our small group when we're meeting because that's how they did it in the Bible. Usually, um, they didn't have big corporate assemblies in the first century. A lot of the movement of early Christianity happened house to house. You were more likely to hear about Jesus around a table than you were in a big assembly like this a lot of the time in the first century. That's kind of how the gospel spread. And so a lot of times these communion meals happened around a table in the context of a meal. Um, <clears throat> but how important is Thanksgiving if, if communion is all about reminding us what we have to be thankful for? How important is that if Jesus told us to do this weekly? Have you ever thought about that? Like if you struggle with being thankful or you struggle with being grateful or you struggle with ingratitude, how important is it for you to be grateful, for you to change that if it was important enough for Jesus to say, I want you to have a weekly reminder of this? Just think about that. Like this is important stuff. This is important stuff. There was a problem uh, in Corinth at one time where people were treating communion flippantly. Uh, there were a group of wealthier Christians that didn't have to work that were coming in and they were eating all of the communion stuff. They were eating all of the meal. They weren't waiting on the servants who had to get off work to come to church, right? And so they were eating everything and, and, and then when the other people were coming in, they just didn't have anything and they didn't care. They weren't thinking about others. And so this is a problem. Paul addresses this. He says, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. He's talking to these wealthier people that weren't doing right, okay? You're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, or do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between me, uh, between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this. Remember me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I just want to point out that selfishness can be a gratitude killer. And that was the problem here, is you had people that were being selfish in their approach to the assembly. They weren't thinking about others. They were just thinking about themselves. And a lot of people come to church with this posture. We want this to change over time, okay? Nobody, nobody uh, is a mature believer when they first come around, okay? So if this is hitting you between the eyes, just understand we are all in the process of development. Where you need to get as you mature is even coming to this assembly, you're not just thinking about you. You are thinking about how can I encourage? How can I be a blessing? How can I help somebody else? How can I help somebody else get further down the road? How can I encourage this? Your mindset needs to change a lot of time. None of us start there, okay? So if you're not there, it's okay. 
That's where, you're, that's where you need to get those, where you're thinking about others. Selfishness is like poison that will kill your gratefulness and your thankfulness to God. Just like anxiety can do the same thing because we're just kind of looking at the problem or we're looking away from the Lord. We've got to help keep our eyes on him. Communion, guys, communion is all about keeping our eyes on Jesus. And what do we have to be thankful to Jesus for? That is what communion is for. If you take communion flippantly, or if you just treat communion like a routine, you're not going to be thinking about what Jesus has done for you. And so it's important to approach the Lord correctly. Uh, when, when it comes to communion, guys, think about where you would be if Jesus hadn't died on that cross. Think about all the blessings that you have because Jesus died on the cross and the commitment that he has to you. There, man, there's so much we have to be thankful for. Make sure we're treating that right, okay? Amen? Fifthly, I say thank you to God, number five, by serving him. By serving him. It says in Hebrews 12, 28, let us please God by serving him with thankful hearts. See, it's not enough just to serve him. We need to do it with the right attitude, right? Um, he is not interested in service marked by grumbling and complaining. You guys might notice a theme in the Bible, uh, especially if you look through the story of the Old Testament. Anytime the people are praising God and thankful to God, things generally go pretty well for them, right? But as soon as the people start to grumble and complain, that's when they get themselves into trouble. That's when they get themselves into situations that they should have never gotten into. It's because they took their eyes off all the blessings that God has given them and their attitudes got bad. And as a result, their actions got bad. Your actions will follow your attitude. A big part of this, guys, is attitude. If you have a stinky, bad attitude, you are not going to be the person that God wants you to be. A big part of being thankful is just getting your attitude right. And uh, guys, here in service, we need, to, we need to serve God. We need to do it with the proper attitudes. Gratefulness test, a gratefulness test, a good one, is are you a person that grumbles and complains a lot? Are you a person that grumbles and complains a lot? If you find yourself being negative and grumbly and complaining a lot, you're not a grateful person. Okay, You're not a thankful person. You will suck the energy out of a room if you have that kind of attitude all the time. It's like, it's like an emotional vampire. But if you will change your attitude where you are, instead of being grumbling and complaining, if you just are encouraging, guys, if you try to be positive, guys, we can always find stuff to complain about. It's not hard. It can be hard to find things to be positive about sometimes. But the more you become a person who is positive and life-giving, it's just a better life. And it, it, it's more Christ-like. Guys, can you think of any time where Jesus just sat around being a baby in the Bible? Seriously. And I say that, that's what we're doing when we're just grumbling and complaining. You're just being a baby. I do it. I'm not saying that like looking down my nose, okay? I do it. But it's unchristlike. And it's, and it's life-stealing. It's not life-giving. It is so important 
that, that we have our hearts and our attitudes right. Six, <clears throat> I say thank you to God. Number six, by talking about him. In prayer, we talk to him. We also want to be talking about him. It says in Isaiah 12, 4, thank the Lord, praise his name, tell the world about his wondrous love, how mighty he is. That, word, that phrase, tell the world right there. Guys, whenever you uh, encounter something that is a tremendous blessing, what do you do? When you get really, really good news, what do you do? Do you keep it to yourself? Okay, a few years ago, my sister Alicia was diagnosed with melanoma. If you don't know what melanoma is, it's a pretty severe form of skin cancer that is more often than not fatal. Uh, she went, underwent treatment, and, and they got that under control, and she was cured. She was cancer-free. Guess what she did when she found out she was cancer-free? Guess what she did? She just, she just kept it to herself. She didn't tell anyone. No, she told the whole world, man. Like, if, if you know my sister, she's annoyingly, uh, like, uh, extroverted. Probably more to me because I'm her brother. Um, but she, she just, man, she's like shouting it from the rooftops. Ah, I don't have any cancer. Yay! That's what you do when you get really good news. It's like you gush praise. It just comes out of you, right? It comes out. If you win the lottery, I won the lottery, the Powerball, $4 billion, whatever stupid number it is now. Um, you tell people. You share it. It's good news. That's what it is, right? Whenever you are in touch with how blessed God has made you, all the giving he does, if you just be in touch with that day to day, guys, that'll come out in your, in your conversations with people. And I don't mean in like some weird religious way where it's fake. Like, you, y'all, we all got that friend that they're always blessed, um, but there's not a sincerity to it, right? Sincerely, sincerely. Guys, your sincere thankfulness impacts the world. Because there are hurting people out there that need, need God in their life. How do you think they're going to figure out how they can have him? It's through people. And God wants to use you. He wants to use your story. He wants to use your testimony. He wants to use your situation. A lot of times to bless people. Some of the most inspirational people that I have seen, some of the most inspirational uh, events where people have become Christians, where I just talk about it. Like, it's in the midst of where somebody's suffering. But they're expressing thankfulness to God in the midst of their suffering. And it inspires and it impacts. Tell people about God. Lastly, guys, number seven. I say thank you to God. Number seven. By living in a way that pleases him. By living in a way that pleases him. Now, I already said, guys, throughout Scripture, if you look at the story of God's people, anytime they are grateful, anytime they are thankful, anytime they are worshiping, they are living in a way that honors God. That is a direct result of their posture of worship and their posture of gratitude. <clears throat> Anytime the people are complaining and grumbling and uh, just not happy with their situation in life and they're, they're expressing it, um, generally that, that was followed by disobedience. 
Like when they're grateful and they're worshiping, they're obeying God, they're honoring God. When they're grumbly and complaining, they are not obeying God and they're just whining, right? They're not doing what he says. And, and sometimes they're looking for solutions and other things like idols, right? It's the same with us. If, if my posture during my week is one of grumbling and complaining, <clears throat> I'm less likely to be honoring God. But if I'm in touch with what God has given me and all the blessings that I have, and I'm expressing that in prayer, and it's just a reminder to me, like I have so much to thank God for, I'm more likely to obey him and honor him because I'm grateful. Like I want to, right? Word and deed matters. It says in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Whatever you do, when you get up and go to work, go in the name of Jesus. Praise God, right? Whenever you're dealing with your kids, when you're dealing with your spouse, when you're hanging with your friends, whatever, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus Christ. That means in the authority of Jesus Christ, right? That means in a way that's going to honor Jesus Christ. That means that I'm mindful of my, my actions and my, and my words and my deeds. Word and deed both matter. They've got to be congruent. There's got to be a, a, a harmony here. But a lot of it has to do with our attitudes and our thankfulness. In Romans 12.1, we'll close with this today. Paul writes, So then, my friends... Because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. You say thank you to God with your life. You say thank you to God with the way you live. You're honoring God by just obeying his commands, by, by seeking to have values that align with his values, by seeking to honor him with your life. You are worshiping him with the way that you're living. You are expressing thankfulness in the way that you are operating in life. As a result, you are a living sacrifice and guys, being a sacrifice, it takes, it, 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 it takes some action, right? Uh, I heard an illustration said, this preacher said there was a chicken and a pig, right? And uh, farmer comes along, he wants some breakfast. Farmer says, I'd love some eggs and I'd love some bacon. The chicken looks at the pig and says, you know what? I like the farmer. I think I'm going to help him out. I'll give him an egg. You give him some bacon. The pig says, chicken, you're going to give him a contribution, but I got to give him a sacrifice. It's different, right? Different level. When we talk about being a living sacrifice, that is not a casual call. Guys, one of the things about, about Jesus is he does not expect your followship to be casual. There is no such thing as a casual Christian. It's not a thing. Okay? Now, it's, a, it, it's an idea, 
It is, it is something that is practiced, but it's not Christianity. You need to understand that. When you say, I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life, it means you're going to make him Lord of your life. When you say, I'm going to join the church, the army of God, with Jesus as my general, okay, that's a different level than I'm going to join a social club where I go listen to somebody talk for an hour once a week. It is a whole life commitment. You cannot live the same way you've always lived and honor God with your life if you have not been living that way prior. It will mess up your life in a good way. Your life needs to be messed up if you don't have Jesus in it. You ain't going the right way, right? But it's not a casual thing. It is a sacrifice. It is, it is, it is a commitment. But guys, this is how we honor God with our life. And you want to know the crazy thing? Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Did you know if you're looking for a good life, the best life you can have is wrapped up in how close you are to Jesus Christ. And if you will learn to be a worshiper of God, if you will learn to honor God with your life, all the stuff God says for you to do, all the, God's, all the stuff God says to stay away from, all the stuff God says to lean into, right? All of that stuff is a blessing. If you'll start obeying God's commands, did you know you're going to have greater relationships? Did you know you're going to have deeper friendships? Did you know you're going to have the best marriage you can have? You're going to be the best parent you can be? You're going to be the best employee you can be as long as you are really following. But if you are casual in your approach, you're going to get stuck. You know, you're going to get stuck. You're not going to grow. And you're not going to have the life that you could have if you were all in. And so it's really important that you understand God doesn't want your egg. He wants your bacon. Amen? He wants your sacrifice. If you're just bringing him a contribution, you need to rethink what you're doing. Because, guys, at the end of the day, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you a great life. But whether you're going to have that great life is really up to how you choose to honor him. Are you going to have a posture where you're all in and you're sacrificial? Or are you going to just kind of halfway it? Because halfway in it, the Bible says, is lukewarm. And if you go look at Revelation 3 and what God says about that, that's not honoring God, guys. You need to be all in. We want to invite you to be all in here at the Crossings. We planted this church because we are passionate about helping people learn to follow Jesus and, and honor him with their lives. You are in the midst of a group of people that are jacked up and messed up. I am chief among those guys. I grew up getting molested. I was a drug addict. I've got all kinds of issues and problems. I've been through a lot of junk in my life, but man, Jesus saved me from that. And, and I'm still jacked up. If you hang out with me, you will learn very quickly. I'm still jacked up. But I got Jesus in my life, and where I am short, he is, he, he's got it covered, right? He's got it covered. My job is to lean into him. We want to help you learn to do that too. Uh, we're a church of small groups. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, churches, like Sunday church is good. We get together in this big assembly. But guys, you're not going to get taken care of if a big assembly is all that you have in your spiritual arsenal, like your life. We do small groups because in the Bible, like in, in our study of uh, Christianity and like the way it's spread, a lot of this is driven by relationship. Like a lot of your greatest growth is going to be because there's somebody that's in your life 
that's just a little further down the road than you are that can help you with some stuff. And man, some of us in here have been Christians a long time. Some of us in here haven't been Christians long at all. But uh, all of us have, have somebody in our life that is further down the road than we are that's able to mentor and shepherd us. I've got people up in, in my life. Like I meet with them regularly and, and we talk about, uh, you know, what's going on. I've got mentors. I've got people. That's the way Jesus modeled it. That's, that's his idea. Like whenever Jesus started the church, how did he start the church? He got 12 stinky teenagers to follow him around for three years. And he taught them how to honor God with their lives. And then he said, okay, you guys go out and do that for somebody else. And that's, that was the way the church started. And the spread of Christianity, that, that, was, that was the goal. We're just trying to do here at the crossings uh, what Jesus did for people. Which is, which is that kind of model. It's all relationally driven, though. So what I want to invite you to do today, if you're new to the crossings, if you're just visiting, I want to invite you to make a friend. That's all I want to do. Now, that, just, just make a friend. Uh, go out to lunch with somebody. If, if, uh, if you want to, go attend a small group. For our, uh, for our adults, we, our adult groups meet on the second and fourth Sundays. Uh, if you want to check it out, come, come today. We're going to have lunch at my house. I know there's another group that's meeting. We would love for you to come. Because what God will do, as you become friends with people that are maybe a little further down the road than you are, is God will use those people to help you move a little further down the road too. And as you move a little further down the road, you're going to turn around someday and there's going to be somebody else. You're saying, hey, they need some help. Let me go help them, just like I was helped. And, and, and you go grab that. And then now God is using you to bless somebody else. It's all about friendships and relationships, though. And uh, that's how God works, man. He, he works most powerfully through relationships. Guys, Jesus is the one that set the church up. And he set it up for that reason, because this is his plan. Uh, so, again, if you're visiting or you're new, I just want to invite you to connect today, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray in a moment after I pray. <clears throat> um, the worship team is going to come up here and sing. Inside your worship bulletin, there is a cardstock piece of paper called a communication card. I want to invite everybody to pull that out right now because anytime we get up and share God's word, we want to give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, on that communication card, it's got a space for you to fill out your information. It's also got space if you're interested in small groups. Uh, we would love to talk with you about that again. If you're an adult today, we would love for you to attend one. Uh, if you are interested in just learning about a relationship with God, maybe you've got questions, mark on there that you'd like a personal Bible study. If you are interested in tapping into some of the resources that we have here <clears throat> related to um, childhood sexual trauma, guys, we've got support groups for people that have gone through that. We've got a, a, no more of a large percentage here of people that have dealt with that than in other places. Think, things different here as we talk about it. Uh, a lot of places don't, but we want to help you. If you're struggling with an addiction, we want to help you. If you're struggling in your marriage, we want to help you. If you're struggling in some other way, guys, you are with a group of people. I'm telling you, we want to be your friend and we want to help where we can. We, this is a safe place. Nobody is going to look down on you if you have a struggle. I don't care what your struggle is. You can think you have something really weird that nobody's ever heard of. I guarantee you, we have promise. If I started telling stories, you would move down a couple of seats from the people you're sitting beside. We got some crazy stories up in here, right? Um, but that's good. 
Because God works in the midst of the deepest darkness and, and, and the worst situations. That's where the, the light shines the brightest is when things are the most messed up. So if you feel like you're messed up, welcome to the crossings. You're going to fit right in, okay? Um, again, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a song. During that song, please fill that card out. And then we will sing one more song after that and pass some baskets, and you can drop your card in there. Uh, I do want to remind everybody, we have a special contribution coming up on December the 4th, uh, Sunday. That is to fund our building expansion. Uh, again, guys, if you're visiting, we are not asking you to give money. Okay, if you want to, that's fine. We're not going to tell you no. Uh, but we did not get you here for that. I want you to know that. This is more for our church members. Um, but December the 4th, just a reminder, we are going to have a special contribution to expand our church building, and that is working. Uh, so we'll be talking more about that. Um, let me pray for us, and then we're going to wrap today, okay? Uh, God, thank you for bringing us together today. Uh, I want to thank you for this sermon series, man. This just personally for me has been uh, important, I think. This is such a fundamental truth that Worship and thankfulness, we cannot be healthy if we are ungrateful people. I pray that that truth sink in. We cannot be healthy if we are negative and complaining. I pray that truth sink in. God, some of us are more naturally positive than others. I am not. I have to work at it. Lord, you know me. And I know there's others here that struggle with that too. God, help us just to be more mature. Help us to be better. God, if we need some help today, help us to ask for it and to be bold. If we're sitting thinking, I should fill this card out, but I don't want to. Help us to get over that, God, and, and to ask for help and to invite connection. Help us to understand that spiritual growth happens in community. It does not happen in isolation. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.